I'm hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful because that exact that just because that exact reason we've got it's so many people that aren't able to live their lives without the healing properties of this plant. We have so many people that are still locked up for nonviolent crimes because of this plant. So I'm hoping here in the next five years to see federal legalization, honestly, and I'm going to see what I can do to try to use my platform and my space to help it out. Looking at the conversations that happened last year with like the banking stuff and equity and all of that, I, it's just like, it almost all goes over my head at this point. And I'm just like, let's legalize it. Let's de declassify whatever the right word is, but um, deschedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to see federal legalization. We need it. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. If you're a regular listener, you know how I like to highlight new brands or products, especially within the new and growing cannabis industry. In this episode, I talk with Michael Diaz Rivera, who is the entrepreneur who started a cannabis company in Colorado that is a little different than most. His Better Days Delivery Company provides a delivery service for dispensaries and consumers alike. And they are doing it in an environmentally beneficial way as well. Let's meet Michael and hear all about it. Hello, Michael, and thanks for joining me here on Grant's Place. Hey, thank you for having me. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Yep, my name is Michael Diaz Rivera, 36-year-old father of two. My daughter's three, my son is one, and I've got a cannabis delivery service that just launched here in Denver, Colorado. Just launched, huh? So, so uh, cannabis delivery service, that's, that's something I've been reading a lot about popping up all over the legal states. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so basically... The business is business to customer delivery. So we're able to go from medical dispensaries or recreational dispensaries, take the custom, take the product to the customer. And I really like the service, especially because we're in a pandemic. Everyone is used to ordering delivery for whatever online. And especially sure. for those medical customers, it's just one step to make it a little more safer. Keep, we've got quick, discreet service. I'm excited to see what we'll be able to do. Cool. What, do you, what is the name of your company? Better Days Delivery. Better Days Delivery. Yeah, yeah that's, I named that's... it Better Days because for me, it's a reminder that the worst days are behind me and better days are on the way. Okay. So I've been to your services website and, and I've checked it out. Uh, 
it says on there that you use quote unquote top of the line delivery software. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've got a right now I'm using a software created specifically for delivery here in Denver, Colorado. And it's a software that I'm able to do many things. We're able to track the order from the dispensary all the way to the customer throughout the process. We're able to communicate with the customer if anything's happening. We're able to tr communicate with the dispensary as well. It's integrated with the software. So, so it's a simple process. Uh, the customer go to, goes online. They go to the menu, pick out what they want, make their order. And that hits the dispensary's uh, point of sale system. And then that system's integrated with my delivery software. So once we get the order, we just send the delivery driver to pick that up from the store, take it to the customer, and everyone has a good day after that. So so they place the order with whatever dispensary that they want to use, and the dispensary contacts you? Correct. Cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. So what other special features does your service utilize? Anything particular? Yeah, a couple things. Um, we're actually, we're committed to sustainability in my business. So I've got electric cars. We're trying to minimize our footprint wherever we can, minimize the waste. Cool. You know, in the in the industry, there's a lot of waste. There's a, even with the packaging and everything. So Indeed. we're talking to people about ways that we can reduce that to get us back to the old school hippie name that we always had of we want to help the environment and attach ourselves to sustainability. Even the the first dispensary I partnered with, they're totally green certified. So they're not using the extra pesticides that a lot of these girls are using that I think, honestly, there are going to be consequences coming from the way that some of these grows are growing these plants and these chemicals that we're ingesting. It'll be interesting. So we're trying to stay away from that. And really yeah. help out. And even past that, we're um we having a a a love of community. So like my story, I've got a felony. We're working on expungement services, helping people to find jobs, and really trying our best to give back with the business. Well, you mentioned your felony. I was going to say your story hasn't always been on the positive side of the cannabis industry, has it? Oh no, sir. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, like I said, born and raised here in Colorado, I grew up in a single parent home and it hasn't always been easy to find a meal at the end of the day. So early on, I I started smoking weed at an early age, but I couldn't afford it. So sure. I started finding other ways to pay for it. And then I realized that I could pay some bills with it. So started off. And at an early age, age of 19, got a felony for marijuana possession. And well, it was originally actually a felony for distribution. And okay. so I got a felony for distribution. I pled down to possession, thinking that it was going to make my situation better. Hmm. But as I would look for jobs, as I would look for housing, I realized that it was all the same. Um, they looked at it as a controlled substance. Sure. Like I was possessing crack or something. So. Mm -hmm. I, um, I still didn't give up, though. I watched Colorado go legal, and I watched the industry just make billions, and I couldn't participate in it. So I followed my other passions of community and education, did a lot of work there, and just community organizing, started my career as a teacher. And I was a teacher in Denver Public Schools for seven years, actually, until okay. last wow. year. 
social equity gave me a chance to get into the industry. So I left the classroom, left the left my my love and my passion for being a fifth grade teacher and started something new. And now I'm on this entrepreneur journey and I'm loving it. Yeah. Okay. You got to back up there for a minute. You're going to breeze through so quick. Oh, I'm sorry about <laughs> oh, that. No. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. You went from uh, distribution charges that you pled down to, yep. uh, to just possession, right? To Correct. felony possession? Yes, sir. Okay. And, and so what kind of penalty did that carry with it? So it was, um, and I was 19. I had a clean record. So the penalty that I ended up getting with the plea was some jail time, a couple years of probation, and a couple thousand dollars of restitution. Okay. So I did a couple, I did like a month of jail time, and then I was able to get into this work release program that they let me basically live at the jail and I was able to get a job to go outside of the jail five days out the week. Sure. So that's where I was able to get in this work release program, started working. And also I was on probation for a couple of years and had to pay that money back. Yeah. It's yeah. my debt to society, as they say. Sure. Sure. So then uh, explain to me the transition from taking care of that to teaching. Yeah. Where did that decision come about? And, you know, I mean, that's a pretty big, big step. Yeah, it was a it was and it was in college, actually. Well, even that. Uh, so I had a probation officer and I remember him telling me that I had to do something with myself at the time. I wasn't doing much of anything. So he was like, go to school or get a job. And for me, I wanted to be where the girls were at. So I went <laughs> to college and. At college, I also had a mentor that grabbed onto me, and initially, I was a psychology major just trying to figure out my inner workings and why I was doing the things that I was doing. And so I was a psych major, and I also was an artist, so I was doing art also. And then I, like I said, I had the work release job, and funny enough, I got a job at a family fun center. So I was just running rides, running the go-karts, fixing go-karts, that type of thing. Okay. And I realized that I had a passion for kids and an ability to work with kids. So I'm in college realizing that I've got an ability for work for kids, really trying to heal my issues and trying to do my art at the same time. I ended up graduating from Pikes Peak Community College in Colorado Springs. And so then I moved up to Denver, Colorado, wanting to get away from that all of those things that I grew up in, trying to get away from the mess, trying to start new. Sure. So I moved to the big city, went to Metro State University, and eventually graduated with a psych major art minor, and my passion just led me to the classroom. And it was even that process wasn't like being a felon at first. I got hired by a school, and then policy ended up that because of my felony, I couldn't teach, so they had to let me go. And that, that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask you about. Did that cause you any problems? Yeah, yeah, lots of problems of just trying to get jobs. And they'd hire me because of who I am, and I'd be able to prove that I can do the job. I had the know-how and the skill set, but I was a felon of a controlled substance, so policy wasn't letting it happen. I ended up actually the first year out of college working for a rec center because I couldn't find anything. and then. I luckily it pays to know people, so I found somebody that was in the district 
and they were able to vouch for me that I was more than the felon. And the same thing would happen with housing. Uh, I'd yeah. apply for an apartment. I'd tell them about the felony. They'd be, oh, it's all good. But once they got that deposit, come back. Oh, sorry, sir. We can't let you live here, and you won't get your money back either. Yeah, when they tell you that, they're hoping it doesn't show up when they run your your background deal, you know. But, I mean, come yeah. on, people. They know it's gonna. I mean, you're honest and you tell them up front, they shouldn't waste your time and energy. Yeah. Or your money, for that matter, you know. But yeah. So your plea was done prior to the legal cannabis market there in Colorado, right? Yep. So... So how did you overcome the obstacles of the prior record to get get into the industry? Because that's that's difficult for everybody, from what I hear. Yep. Yeah. So Colorado actually had this social equity initiative, and so uh -huh. the initiative is really focused on helping people that were harmed by the war on drugs. So, and, and it just started in 2021, where they created a social equity initiative to make it easier. For people that were harmed by the war on drugs to find entry points into the industry and they do it by reducing licensing fees helping with mentoring maybe grant help accelerator programs and then there's a couple ways you could qualify of like maybe you grew up in a really poor area maybe you grew up in an area that was targeted by the police for drug sales Maybe you got a felony or actually not even a felony, any marijuana charge. So if you have any of those three, then you qualify for the social equity program. And yeah. I guess it was my luck that I had the felony. I grew up in a poor area and I grew up in an area that was targeted. So I hit all three check marks and I qualified for the social equity pro program. And I also had the savings built up from years of teaching. And the, the timing was right. I was burnt out on teaching. I needed to try something new. So I decided to take a risk. Okay, cool. Pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Hey, y'all. Are you enjoying the guests and content Gramps is bringing you each week? Did you know he does this all on his own? No production team and no producers. Just Gramps. If you like the show, please think about becoming a monthly supporter. It can be as little as 99 cents per month. You would be surprised at how much that can help. Just follow the link in the show description where it says support this podcast here. And as always, Gramps thanks you for listening, and for your support. Welcome back to Gramps Place, the podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. You're talking about earlier with, with you know, some of these grows using pesticides and stuff, um, and not even just pesticides, some of them using growth hormones and other things these days. Uh, what are the ways you... Uh, well, I guess the way I want to ask this is, I guess you're only probably doing business with companies that use reputable products, right? Well, yeah. yes. Um, that was, well, I say for now. So, because I'll be honest, the there's only so many people that are doing it the way, the right way, in my opinion, the totally green certified. 
there are lots that aren't doing that. And so with that, there are a couple things of the the total green grows are outnumbered. And with those green grows, it comes with the price of to get that clean grow. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. Sure. And as I've been doing my research, some of my customers want a cheaper price point. And so unfortunately, people will. Fortunately and unfortunately, people are willing to smoke the product that may have some things that they don't want in it for that cheaper price point. So if they want it, I'm willing to give it to them. And talking to a couple of dispensaries that have grows that may not be as favorable as the one that I'm with right now. And I, the way that I do it of like being clean is important. So I'll just let customers know that this may not be what you may have known from the past so yeah yeah there may or may not be something questionable there yeah as long as you let them know up front i mean that's you're doing your part i guess but it just drives me crazy you know you see it but and i'm curious what your opinion on this would be also because my thought process is the reason you have this is because in places where we do have it legal, not so much necessarily Colorado, but places like California, uh, Washington, Illinois, that have the regulations so out of whack and the fees so out of whack and the taxes so out of whack, just pushes people to that that kind of stuff. If you if you, that's my opinion anyway. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's definitely happened in Colorado. Of uh, the taxes are so high that. Customers are just, they got to get their medicine. They've got to, and when when you're arguing between medicine and am I going to eat tonight, you might want to make some budget choices. Yeah. So I see where customers do it, and that's why I try to lift up the green grows as much as I can, and we just try to work on it. But, I mean, even, and actually something happening in California that they do is they're able to sometimes give free cannabis out to like veterans or medical patients yeah. or customers that can't afford it. And that's something we can't do in Colorado that I'm hoping can change because yeah, that's for me. And it connects directly to your story. My story as well of that above all this plant is medicine more mm -hmm. than something that we can make money off of. This is something that we can heal that we have the potential to heal our people with, heal our communities with. And that's what I really want to use my space, my platform for. Yeah, so I all the time talk about people want us to talk, say recreational. We, we're pushing for recreational. I call it adult use. Yep. Is what I call it because uh, that's what it is. It's adult use. Yeah. You know, and, and in, even the majority of the people that I've known for years, uh, myself included, will tell you that. I didn't realize for years that it was medical, you know, but looking back on it, it, it really was, you know. Exactly. I mean. Yep. Yeah, like I was talking about, I've been I've been smoking since I was 12 years old. And in hindsight, I've been self-medicated. Like mm -hmm. I was a psych major because I was trying to figure out my mental things. And that's how I've been handling is it with the plant. So. Yeah, there's a lot to it that folks aren't really getting. And same of like, I'm trying to change my language to start calling it adult use as well, because it's not necessarily recreational, but the market is what it is, you know? I mean, there are going to be recreational users just like anything yeah. else. I mean, there, there's no denying that. 
and I, I won't even, I'll go as far as to say some of my use is recreational, but it still has a medicinal effect at the same time. You know, it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone in that respect, which you're not going to get with, with a bottle of booze. You know, there's no comparison, but that shit's legal. And, you know, we're still fighting for the other. It just drives me nuts. Uh, speaking of the legalities and all, uh, what states do you see being the next ones to maybe move toward a legal program, a full-blown, not just medical, but adult use? Hmm. You know, I need to, um, I'm not as well-versed on it. I was, so I've got some family in Georgia, and I know that there have been, conver- there have been conversations in Georgia, but the Bible Belt is interesting to me. Like, I've got family in New Orleans as well, where New Orleans went medical, I believe, this year, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if they can even use flour yet or the the limits on concentration. So I've seen conversations in the South that are happening, and because I've got family out there, I've been part of some conversations. It'll be interesting what happens down there, but yeah. it's it's the it's the conservative folks and or not even that. It's like. A lot of times the religious folks, even here in Colorado, where I'm talking to church people and a lot of the elders, like they're coming from past times where, you know, they they think of weed as like a gateway drug to other things. And so they just got a bad taste in their mouth as soon as you get to talking about reefer. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to coach them and tell them like times have changed and bring it to that health aspect especially for the elderly community. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. That's one one commercial that I love to see. Well, it's not a commercial. It's just a Facebook meme, but I love to see it all the time because it's a old man helping his wife with her walker get out of the car and they're parked right in front of dispensaries right behind them, you know. Yeah. And, it, and the, the caption is, this is medical marijuana. Mm. You know, and of course, I prefer it to say cannabis, but oh well. But I, I just love that image, you know, because that you, you're right. It, for older people, it could do do a ton, you know. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's all kinds of uh, recent studies that I've been reading where about the the uptick in elderly in using cannabis, even in illegal states. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> you what? And so, yeah, I'm here in Colorado. Literally, the church I grew up in, there was a young man. Well, he's a young man now. He was a boy then. He was having like 13 grandma seizures a day. His mother introduced, his mother got introduced to CBD, and he no longer even has CB, has seizures anymore. And he's able to live his life now. I mean, there is damages from the seizures that he grew up with, but his life is so much better. And yeah. That's where I'm really hoping that people can realize like the healing aspects of it. And we're we're here in Colorado, we're battling issues of like there are these prohibitions that they're they're changing laws, change making limits so that kids can't get their medicine. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves families with what? Now your kid is stuck with those seizures again. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that that changes because that's really what this is about. Yeah, there's a, a little girl that moved to Colorado from Texas, and now she's probably going to have to move from Colorado. I mean, I think they're looking at moving to Florida now. 
See? So she can get what she needs. Yeah. You know, and she was, she's like over six years now, seizure free. Well, see? You know, and she was like the same thing, 15, 20, 30 seizures a day, you know, and that just, there'd be no question for me if my son and I knew those things at the time and he was hey. underage, I would have packed my shit and moved. Hey. You know, I'd have made it happen, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think on the federal level? Uh, if we'll ever get there? I'm hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful because that exact, that, just because that exact reason we've got, it's so many people that aren't able to live their lives without the healing properties of this plant. We have so many people that are still locked up for nonviolent crimes because of this plant. And so, I'm hoping here in the next five years to see federal legalization, honestly, and I'm going to see what I can do to try to use my platform and my space to help it out. Looking at the conversations that happened last year with like the banking stuff and equity and all of that, I, it's just like, it almost all goes over my head at this point. And I'm just like, let's legalize it. Let's de um, deschedule. Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, I want to see federal legalization. We need it. I know there's there's a lot of people that are that are throwing that five years around the next in the next five years. I keep hearing that from a lot of different people. So I keep a fingers crossed that it'll happen within those next five years or less. Exactly. You know, it's 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 an argument that's not worth arguing for the prohibitionists. I mean, in this day and age, they can't hide the fact, the reality that lies were told to make it illegal in the first place. Right. And the reasons that they wanted to make it illegal are are the worst of all. You know, I mean, you you, you look at, at between the fact that it's, it's a toss up between which was worse, the greed or the racism behind it, because they were both involved. Yep. You know. Dead on there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's plain and simple. If you look at the propaganda they've used. I mean, it's it's slap you in the face right there, you know? Yeah. I mean, shit. And then you, you look back at all the things that we used it for and all the medicine it was used for prior to prohibition. Yeah. I mean, come on, folks. And that cat's out of the bag now, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and that's what I was telling my friend about. Literally that exact same conversation of, if you talk to, and going back to the elders, if you talk to enough folks, about how were they using cannabis back in the day? People have been creating tinctures, et cetera. And even like my business is a delivery business. That's how we've traditionally got our weed. You call the weed man and they brought it to you, delivered it. And so that's really what I'm trying to help people remind them of that. We, before this was legal, we've been healing from this plant. And we've just got to tap into that side that we've been disconnected from. You're so right. Mm-hmm. So tell our listeners where they can find your website and service should they so desire to, to use it. Yes, yes. If you're in Colorado, you can find, well, if you want to find us either way, go to betterdaysdelivery.com and you can find us there. If you're in Colorado looking for recreational or medical marijuana or cannabis, you can get it in Aurora and Denver currently. Just go to betterdaysdelivery.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit as well. Better Days Delivery. Okay, cool. Is there anything else you want to add before we before we call it a night? 
Um, well, I wanted to thank you for your advocacy work. This, you know, we've got to change the world. Like I said, the way that the industry is currently working for marijuana and cannabis isn't, it isn't equitable for any of us. And if we really want to get to the healing that the world deserves, we've got to talk about it. And I appreciate you continuing to advocate and share your knowledge with us. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the long haul, man. Uh, uh, it's the only thing that keeps me sane, you know, losing a son, uh, knowing, I mean, like I tell people all the time, we'll, we'll never really know if it would have helped him or not because he never got the chance. Mm. And my goal is to make sure that nobody else is deprived of that chance. That's my goal, you know. And uh, so I'm here for the long haul. And, uh, we're going to keep telling the stories and we're going to keep pushing the buttons on the lawmakers. And if we have to, we'll just get some different lawmakers. That's yeah. my, that's my philosophy anyway. You know, Same. yeah. If they don't want to get right, vote them out and put somebody else in their spot. I mean, personally, especially at the federal level, personally, uh, about half of them old yahoos need to get the hell out of there anyway and go home and retire and relax and let somebody else do some work for a while. <laughs> you there. They ain't getting no work done. All they're doing is a bunch of bickering like a bunch of old cantankerous old fuddy-duddies. You know, all they want to do is point the finger. <laughs> exactly. And that's so, that is so bad, right? Like on both sides, we've got people dying. We've got people still in these cages, in these cages because of this miracle plant. We can't afford to continue to argue and go nowhere. And you got like, people like. The wall. Legalization should be here. You got people like Joe Biden, you know, that, that yep. promised he was going to expunge and, and he's sitting on his ass doing nothing about it, you know. Yep. And I, I get it. You got more things to worry about, bigger and better problems, but that's so quick and easy to handle. In I fact, agree. he don't even have to do anything but say, let's take care of that, folks, okay? Because that's how his shit works, you know. It's as simple as signing the paper, right? Just point a finger and say, go do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you, man. That's that. That's one of but, the. But you know that he makes it happen. That being said, Donald Trump didn't do it before him. Barack Obama didn't do it before him. George W. didn't do it before him. You know, I mean, yeah, they're all to blame. If you ask me, anybody that ain't done it, I'm right there. Just with as you. guilty, you know. Yeah. Well, man. I, I want to thank you, Michael, for coming on and telling me about your business. It's been a good conversation. Thank you. I appreciate you and all that you do. I wish you the best of luck. All righty. Thank you, sir. You have a good night. Grant's Place, the podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything with facts and first-hand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.